Hey, Chuckle Bunnies, it's Brian with the pre-roll for ELL 174. And quick turnaround, make sure you don't fast forward through this. Uh, opportunity for our fans to get 20% off of Mikkel Thorup's Exiting the Dollar Alternative Wealth Safe Havens, Havens excuse me, seminar, which is on Thursday, April 30th, 2 p.m. Eastern Daily Time. Now, Mikkel, you might have heard him on the show a couple of weeks back. He is the host of Escape Artist and also the Expat Money Show. And he puts together some pretty amazing uh, demonstrations, ways you can expand your monetary value in this crazy time. So go to escapeartist.store and use the promo code LIONS, all caps, to get 20% off this uh, interesting panel of alternative wealth experts Find out how to diversify yourself and make money in the process. Okay, let's hit the show. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Yo, yo, I'm still alive. I beat COVID. Can you believe it? Well, who knows? Who knows if I beat it or not? I haven't been tested. I'm curious. I'll tell you that much. I'm very curious to find out. Ha- have I had it? Has my wife had it? And am I over it? I-, I think I've already had it. I think I've passed it. I think I had no symptoms. And that was that. But I don't want to talk about the top of the show because breaking news. <laughs> Justin Amash has founded an exploratory committee to look into throwing his hat into the ring for the Libertarian presidential nomination. Yes, I know. We didn't know if it would come to fruition. We didn't know if it would be true. But once you have an exploratory committee, it certainly does seem as though you are going to go forward. And it also, it's actually, let me quote John Odermatt, host of Felony Friday here. Uh, (laughs) When he found out that uh, Justin Amash had this exploratory committee, Quote, hold up. Amash announced that he's exploring the possibility of seeking the LP nom, comma, which has to mean he's in or a giant douche. (laughs) And you know what? I would actually agree with that assessment because if you're going to have somebody leak the information and clearly it's all over right now, like I'm reading an article out of the Hill. Uh, It's been reported in multiple different outlets. I know Remzo was supposed to, uh, to talk to some people and now... It's looking like, I mean, if you're hiring these people on, clearly you're considering it heavily. And I think you'd have to be an automatic favorite were you to enter the race. Now, granted, Jim Gray and Larry Sharp have teamed up, and that's a pretty solid ticket. Uh, Well, on the surface, again, I have to look into Jim Gray. I actually got a, uh, I don't know if it was probably a robocall from him reaching out to to delegates. But Jim Jim Gray uh, called today and left a voicemail to give him a call back and talk. And of course, we are putting together our own debate, which is going to be, I'm going to be coasting that with Mark on May 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And we will obviously look to get Justin Amash in that uh, or on one of the two debates that we're hosting as soon as possible. But regardless, Justin Amash announced on Twitter, he says, quote, today I launched an exploratory committee to seek the LP Nationals nomination for president of the United States. Americans are ready for practical approaches based in humility and trust of the people. We're ready for a presidency that will restore respect for our Constitution and bring people together. I'm excited and honored to be taking these first steps towards serving Americans of every background as president. So, clearly, this is him saying he's running. I mean, it it would be, at this point, you would have to be a giant douche to throw your hat into the ring in this manner and then completely back out and be like, ah, you know what, I looked into it, I'm just not down. Because all you're going to do is get a lot of people interested, a lot of people excited. Probably, you know, he's got money behind him. I, I mean, I think there wasn't a concern about fundraising so much even after he left the GOP. And I've said this before on the show. I talked about it quite extensively. I definitely do not agree with his approach to the impeachment. I thought that it was dubious at best based upon unsound logic, based upon bad information coming out of the Mueller report. Based, you know, The whole Russia collusion thing was nonsense. I think obstruction of justice is a bullshit crime. I think it's simply something that the federal government created in order to prevent people from doing their due diligence to protect themselves, were they guilty or innocent, and that if there is no crime, there is no obstruction of justice. Justin Amash agreed to disagree. 
But that doesn't mean that I don't respect him uh, greatly for the way that he often does vote. I had said that before people were saying, why didn't Justin Amash stand up and, and go with Massey and complaining about the stimulus bill? He did. He did, to make that clear. Justin Amash did complain and did have a, a, a problem with it. And he did not vote for it. So I know he's based in it largely in principles that I would agree with. And the thing I'm torn about is having seen how he went about the Trump stuff, I still think he probably would be more closely aligned with libertarian thinking. I do think in this race, there could be an opportunity to pull people from the Democratic side because clearly he is a never Trumper. He has the TDS, as we like to say it. And people looking at a Joe Biden versus Trump race could easily gravitate towards Justin Amash, who's a younger representative, who's easily going to be able to tie in more with, uh, probably, well, granted, Trump's pretty pretty uh, amazing in social media. Can't take that away from him. But fundraising, approaching normal, normal younger people, you know, not the crazy leftists and the climate nuts and everything else, but approaching normal younger people to trying to get them out while still resonating with a conservative elder base. And I don't know. I think that if he did throw his hat into the ring, as much as I want to see what Larry and Jim Gray have to say, as much as I do enjoy Jacob Hornberger, uh, and of course, you know, love me some Vermin Supreme, and, and my heart uh, is a fond of Adam Kokesh as well. I think these are all great people. But I think he would immediately jump to the forefront. I mean, we saw what happened when we had old Gary Johnson and Bill Weld run the uh, the previous years, the party gravitated towards him immediately. I mean, it's funny for libertarians as anti-state, right? As anti-establishment as we, as we say we are, at least some of us, as soon as there's an establishment person in there, somebody that comes from the political background, a beltway, a beltway insider, if you will, everybody just fawns over them. You know, it's like when the, it's like if some fourth string quarterback in the NFL comes back to your small ass podunk fuckbag town and everybody just faints and goes out of their way to suck his dick. Now, I'm not saying that Justin Amash is a fourth string quarterback in this scenario, but the reaction is the same. People are immediately falling to their knees to fillet him. It remains to be seen to me. I think for me, while I think he might be able to gravitate some people towards the party, he might be able to do some interesting awareness raising. I think for me, if he's going to stay active in politics, if he thinks he's confident in running again and getting reelected again and continuing to push forward, and he's got a lot to fight against in his position as a uh, as a congressman right now, I don't know if now is the right time to throw your hat into the ring. And maybe he's worried that he is going to get drummed out and maybe he won't get reelected. Maybe that's why he's saying, well, screw it. I might as well run for the LP candidacy right now. But regardless of how many people you're going to pull in, maybe we get 20% of the vote this year. I don't think that anyone is going to beat Trump or Biden. It's either all the Trumpers that rally around their candidate or all of the Democrats that hate Donald Trump and are just going to rally around whatever incontinent senile schlub is rolled out there should he make it to the actual uh, election day without keeling over. So anyway, there's your breaking news. Let's see what happens. Let's see if Amash formally throws his hat into the ring. And let's also see who he's going to have as a running mate. Because that's another part of the equation that I, I'm really curious to see if it's going to be somebody that is straight out of the political sphere or if he's going to look to the Libertarian Party and for somebody that's a little bit more hardcore principle that's going to appeal to the Libertarian base like myself that is not simply going to fawn and fillet uh, simply because he decides to come and, and deign us with, uh, <laughs> with an appearance. So... TBD, two big dicks. Um, okay, moving on. Let's get back to the regular stuff that I was going to talk about on this episode, nine minutes in. Um, the thing, <laughs> uh, you know, actually, I, I, even though I, I titled the episode about these goddamn dancing nurses, but I think I actually want to start off talking about something else. And that is Michael Moore's Planet of the Humans documentary. Now, this is... I say Michael Moore, but it's actually not. It's Michael Moore Presents. He was the executive producer. It was directed by Jeff Gibbs, who was a, a longtime collaborator with Michael Moore on, I think, Saving Columbine, I think on whatever, you know, the Flint Water movie, whatever. Whatever all of his biggest films were, Jeff Gibbs was his right-hand man. So now Jeff Gibbs has gone out of his way. And Jeff Gibbs, as a background, was, you know, a big climate uh, activist, believer, but still believes that global warming is a problem, as does Michael Moore. You know, two uber lefties 
But Michael Moore's had a little bit of, uh, to be honest, as much as I dislike Michael Moore in, in so many different ways, he's impressed me as of late because he actually, as much as he hates Trump, will give credit where credit's due. And he will call things as he sees them without simply towing the line. Now, this movie, Planet of the Humans, you would think would be a hardcore climate change propaganda doc, right? To convince you that we have to stop and change our ways. And there is some of that towards the end. But only at the very end where it talks about population getting out of control, you know, population control like Bill and Melinda Gates love to do. Kill those, kill those people off, limit their population growth. But primarily, this movie blew my mind because I watched it. Basically, I was going to hate watch it. I was going to hate watch it so I could come on here and tell you guys how much I hated this fucking movie and how Michael Moore needs to shove another Subway hoagie down his gullet and stop telling the rest of us to eat healthy while he's weighing 400 pounds. That is not the takeaway. Here's the takeaway. This film goes out of its way to expose the green scam for what it is. And I've talked about this before. I've talked about it many times on this show, saying that while I don't know if climate change is a real thing or not, I do not know, nor does anybody know, the long-term ramifications of what's going on right now, how to fix it, what the cycles mean, how the interactions between land, sea, ocean, air, water, molecules in the environment and the atmosphere, how these things all interact, we don't know. We have an idea. But we really don't know. <laughs> so while climate change may indeed be real, I am still very much of the attitude that in no way, shape, or form should we ever, sorry, I had to fix my mic cord there, should we ever look to completely upend the ways that we are living, to completely deprive cultures that are just trying to get their feet under them from utilizing cheap, available fossil fuels, that we should be uh, drastically overturning the way our economics and society work, like the New Green Deal and building all these, you know, tearing down existing buildings and building new buildings and putting all of our money into green technologies. There's no way we should be doing that. And this movie does a fantastic job of showing exactly why so many of these things are a huge goddamn scandal. It goes through exposing half of these technologies as being more expensive to produce than they are to keep up, you know, especially with windmills that are made of steel that fall down, that you have to raise tons of land to put up. They talk about how all of the you know, electric batteries are created out of hard minerals that you have to mine, that you mine with fossil fuels to you know, fire up these massive tractors and digging apparatus. You know, the rare minerals, that, which is why when we started fighting with China, rare minerals was the big thing. That was honestly the biggest worry to our, uh, our government was because all the technologies, not just your iPhone, but all of their satellite technologies, all the rockets that they're sh uh, shooting at, at each other and, and firing over at uh, Yemen. All of those gravitate around rare minerals and they need them as components. China has those in abundance. We do not here. Long story short, all of these technologies based themselves upon, they say it's battery, they say it's natural, they say whatever, but to create them, you use an exceptional amount of power and the return on that power is not as such to make it worthwhile. Yet we see hundreds of billions of dollars pushed into these technologies. And the one thing they really focus on too is these biomass plants, which are just a huge joke. They are literally, they call them green energy, right? They call it renewable or sustainable energy. And you think because they call it that, that it's healthier, right? That it's less polluting. But what really happens is that they're just burning wood chips or they're burning garbage or they're burning all these other things. They're still releasing pollutants into the air and they're just burning down wood. So you, you have the things that would suck up the carbon being torn down and sold off to these plants that then burn them to create energy at a less efficient rate than simply burning fuel or burning uh, coal would be. And they also revealed the dirty secret, which I've talked about on this show many times as well, in that none of these technologies can operate on their own. They all have to rely on coal-generated backups or other backup power, be it nuclear or tying into the main energy grid. And that is where they get backup power sometimes, primary power sometimes. You know, they had these concerts, these green energy concerts, which you're just using completely generate off fossil fuel or tying into the general energy grid. But it just showcases these people are, are, are liars, they're flim-flammers, they're operating with these grand shining models of the future right in the front. And then you go behind the stage and it's like a Star Trek set where you can kick the fucking saloon over because it's just plaster and a few boards holding itself up and behind it is nothing. So 
highly recommend checking this out. And of course, by the way, here's an extra reason to check it out is that you've got assholes at Vox. I, and I read these articles. You've got assholes at Vox saying that this is a dangerous write-up and how it has to be taken off. You've all, you know, I, I read another article too, putting together these weak arguments saying that somehow that uh, they're, they're misrepresenting this. Don't you love that word, by the way? They're misrepresenting it. Not that it's an outright lie. Not that they're completely making it up. Not that this isn't based in truth. No, they're misrepresenting it. Okay. I'm sure they are. I'm sure that's why all of these things keep failing. I'm sure that's why we don't have, after 25 or 30 years of renewable emphasis, of investing in it, of subsidizing it, of 30, I mean, 30 years advancing in technology, especially when you have computer age, is pretty fucking good amount of time to figure something out and make it work properly. We're still not there. So what are they misrepresenting exactly? Because if it's basing their power grid off of fossil fuels and using fossil fuels to create all of these things that bring back less return on the investment of power and energy, what the fuck are they misrepresenting? So anyway, check it out. Michael Moore, Planet of the Humans. You can watch for free on YouTube. I link to it in the show notes for today, which you can find at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL174. Got it? Good. Okay, now let's get on to, to the main topic. These goddamn TikToking nurses. These TikToking nurses. Holy shit. Knock it off. No more. Can we get a moratorium? Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. No more. I want a ban. I want a China-style ban on any more fucking TikToking nurses, any more nurses like these assholes in Paris, these nurses who literally recreated the Last Supper with themselves as Jesus and his apostles. Because that's the way these people now, their martyr complex has gotten so severe, they view themselves as the savers of the earth. Oh, we're putting ourselves out there. Everybody kiss their asses. And while, look, I appreciate what they're doing, that's your job. You literally signed up to do it. That's like a stockbroker complaining that the stocks are getting too high. Oh, no, there's too many stocks. What am I to do? Ah! You signed up to be a doctor. You signed up to be a nurse. Especially if you're an ER nurse, it's not like the ER is especially different right now. But the biggest thing that drives me nuts about this, and this is what I find most people are complaining about, is that everybody is losing their job, being forced to stay home, being forced to quarantine. None of us can go out and and have choreographed fucking dance routines at our places of work because we're not allowed to go to them. And these nurses who are supposedly overrun Supposedly there aren't enough beds. There's people dying everywhere, dying in the hallways. The capacity. What about the capacity? What about the available beds for these COVID victims? All of that never happened, except for a very select couple places. You know, in the heart of New York City, maybe, maybe. I mean, I was reading articles about the NHS system, how they have 40% more beds right now than they typically do at this time of year. And that's... Fairly coherent across all the stats because they're not doing any other services, right? All these nurses have time to dance around because they're not having an overrun of people. And, and, you know, the government and all these fucking honks that are apologists for staying inside and forcing people to stay at home and robbing them of their income and robbing them of their ability to travel freely and associate freely that we're supposed to have. All these honks will tell you, well, it's because we flattened the curve. Which, of course, I haven't heard flatten the curve said so much since I got my titties reduced. Everybody. These giant honking titties of mine. So we flattened the curve, right? And that's what we're supposed to believe led to this. Not that they over-presumed how much demand there would be for hospitals. Not that they over-presumed how deadly this virus would be. And the latest stats seem to indicate that it's still between 0.1 and 0.4 deaths per, you know, whatever it is. That's like That's the fatality rate. Deaths per 100,000, something. I can't remember exactly what the, the equation they use is. But it's an incredibly ro- low death rate. And it is pretty much, with very few exceptions, that the media loves to jump on and run with anytime somebody that's not elderly or diagnosed with some sort of underlying disease like diabetes, like heart disease, like hypertension, those people tend not to die off. You know, if you, unless you're in this category, which is 99.9% of deaths, you're pretty much fine. I mean, 
for fuck's sake, that giant hospital set up, that mash style hospital they set up in Washington, which was you know the overrun first hotbed, not a patient, not one, not one single person ever used it. They sent the USNS Comfort to New York. They just discharged the last patients. It's going to be uh, gone by the end of the month. That's what the Navy just said. They're peacing out. And again, you know, nearly every single New York coronavirus patient suffered an underlying health issue. Now, <laughs> again, if you're these nurses, we're recognizing that you're doing all these choreographed routines. You're not doing it in an ER style, uh, you know, everybody's running around in the background and there's people lying on the floor and there's doctors yelling at you to stop fucking dancing and get back to goddamn work. They're doing it in empty hallways. They're doing it in, you know, lunchroom cafeterias that aren't overrun. They're doing it in just open rooms because they have the time. They have the space. So it's just aggravating to see this shit. And it's even more aggravating to see how much people retweeted. Like, this is the most novel thing ever. Look, the first time somebody did it, okay, sure. Well, why not? That's entertaining enough. A little annoying, but sure. Just like the commercials, all together, stay together, or all at home together. How many fucking Pizza Hut commercials can I see where a Pizza Hut delivery man is supposed to be a hero? The first time, you're like, okay, fine, fine, uplifting. The 25th time, you just want to go over, rip the mask off of every face of those people, and just start coughing. Because it's just grating. It's fucking grating. And it, like I said, it's not just that I hate people having fun, right? And I'm a bitter old curmudgeon, although I definitely am. We all can agree on that. It's that they're making themselves out to be the greatest people that have ever lived. Oh, speaking of great people, how about that transition? Didn't even mean to do it. Just forgot to take down the music and bam, it just hit me right after that. Speaking of great people and great podcasts, the System is Down podcast, guys. Highly recommend you check this out. Our buddy Dan Smots over there is the host of this show, which has been around. He is a big fan of ours, a big supporter of ours, and actually was inspired to create this show after listening to the Lions of Liberty and soliciting some advice to us on how to have a failing libertarian podcast. No, I'm kidding. We're doing fine. But Dan just hosted a libertarian debate between all of the candidates. Now, of course, Justin Amash had to come in and fuck his whole day up by uh, coming in late. But still, it was a really interesting debate. I saw that Dan just put out clips of them talking about the abortion issue, which, of course, for libertarians is highly contentious. Really got to check this out. Go to The System Is Down and uh, Apple, Stitcher, iTunes, you know, whatever, wherever you listen to your podcast, or go to TSID pod.com and make sure to tell him Brian sent you give him a nice review on iTunes because again this isn't just libertarian stuff though on his podcast he goes into everything conspiracies weird and wild shit uh did we land on the moon flat earth theory he's got all the conspiracies you want with a sweet libertarian crust so check that out the system is down podcast blast All right, coming back in again, show notes for this episode, elect uh, lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL174. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about too, you know, I mentioned it briefly talking about these goddamn TikTok videos and these nurses having too much time in their hands. The reason they have so much time is that they're cutting down availability for all these other services. You know, so it's like we're seeing death tolls rise. You know, like we saw some count, we were talking about like in our Lions of Liberty email back and forth. How they're finding, not only are they adding on extra deaths and they say they're due to COVID, right? Which we don't know if they are or not. But there's also just more deaths in general going on. And the reason for that might be that everybody's missing their cancer screenings. You know, like 40% of people are missing their cancer screenings now because hospitals aren't admitting these people. Doctors aren't seeing people. Everything is done via teleconference. So naturally, you're going to see more people dying of things that are common illnesses that could be treated heart disease, maybe people that have diabetes aren't getting to see a doctor to be diagnosed with diabetes. Just general things that can kill people off. I mean, fuck, you might just have a, a general cough in your in your chest. Well, not a cough. You go and get checked out for COVID. Let's say you had a, a tingle in your left hand and you're like, eh, eh, probably not a big deal. 
You know, that's that's probably, I probably dinged my hand on something. Well, shit, maybe you have a stroke. Maybe you don't know. Maybe your arteries are filled with plaque and then you keel over because you didn't get stented in time. You're not getting in there. Or maybe you've got a little headache and you don't realize, whoops, I got some brain cancer. Ah, I got a lump on my testes. Didn't go in for that checkout. I mean, these are real life consequences to this COVID nonsense that is so fucking overblown and denying people access to the hospitals and these beds, which are going unused. Just like New York had to have, you know, was it 40,000 ventilators? Well, they just sent all those ventilators to other states because they didn't need them. Because they're based upon bad data, bad projections from these goddamn scientists, and or not even scientists, these epidemiologists and whoever else is helping to compile these stats, which are broad guesses, and they're always guessing the worst case scenario. I don't know, maybe that's just you know risk management strategy. But when you're dealing with people making public policy and you're throwing out these fucking wild numbers and they are using the wild numbers, despite the fact that they'll tell you, well, you shouldn't, you know, you you really shouldn't look at these these guesses and, you know, these studies and these projections and take them for granted. I mean, what are you stupid? Who does, who does that? They're just guesses. Yeah. But when they're using them to dictate public policy, when they're forcing us all to stay inside our fucking houses and shutting down the goddamn economy and going $8 trillion in debt in one year. Well, there's a pretty good, uh, hazards to that approach to them using your guesses, which nobody is supposed to take as rote to base their public policy on. It's the same thing with fucking climate change. It's the same thing with any number of these economic projections, uh, these you know projections for how we need to deal with poverty or anything else. It always paints the bleakest picture. And these people always over-index on believing it, and they must do something. Again, why I have my goddamn do-nothing libertarian superhero, which yesterday, by the way, was hashtag National Superhero Day. And if you haven't, Go listen to Do Nothing Man. Go to his YouTube page. It's easy to find. I'll put it in the show notes. So I've got, got like hundred, you know, tens of thousands of listens to the Do Nothing Man episodes on this podcast. Jack shit on the YouTube. So please help me out. Go like Do Nothing Man on Facebook. Go like the YouTube. Go watch the videos on there uh, to try to grow the show outside of just our libertarian podcast sphere. And also some fun news. You know, I let my uh, let my dad. I sent this show to my dad, who is a. He voted for Ron Paul. You know, I converted him that way. Uh, so he is a libertarian-leaning Trump supporter, right? And, uh, you know, I, it, it, what, what do you do? What, what, what's to be done? So anyway, I send him the show. He's like, I love it, but your voice is too distinctive because I voice all the sh- characters in the show. I write it. I edit it. I voice it. All that stuff. You'll listen to it. You'll see my voice is very distinctive. And while I try to mix it up using my voice acting skills, acting um, the narrator character was a little bit too close to do nothing, man. So I was trying to have the narrator be a super deep voice and then do nothing, man, though. Also as a superhero has a heroic voice. So I thought a great way to remedy that situation, which is going to piss off Dan Smots of the system is down podcast. Who's asked to be a voice on the show. Don't worry, Dan, I'll bring you in. Um, I have contracted for free <laughs> with great friend of the podcast, Johnny Rocket Adams. So Johnny is now recording voiceovers to do the narration for Do Nothing Man, which is going to be fun because obviously if you've heard Johnny Rocket before, he has a very distinctive voice. And uh, you can hear that on Blast Off with, uh, with he and Raylene Lightheart. And uh, yeah, that, that smoker's crazy voice is going to make a hell of a narration. So I will re-release that. Keep your eyes peeled and your ears honed because that's going to be really fun when it comes out. Uh, where to leave off? All right. Anyway, so yeah, the ramifications for these fucking polls are putting out in these studies and the public policy just is awful. The real life consequences we're seeing play out in the number of deaths uh, that are, you know, not only just cancer screenings and general health deaths, but also suicides, domestic abuse deaths, uh, people that again, might die generationally, generationally from let's say a family restaurant going under and now they can't afford healthcare as a whole. Now they can't afford schooling. Now they can't afford jack shit. They're in poverty and, uh, and they never get to that next rung of society. They never get to live the dream. This is what faces not only people with restaurants, but small business owners nationwide. So fuck nurse TikTok videos. If you're a nurse out there, don't make a fucking TikTok video. That's some advice from your old pal. Brian McWilliams. That's my advice sting now. I didn't want to pull the actual, the more you know. 
Uh, the big question, though, is have these nurses killed Kim Jong-un? It's a valid question. Are nurses over in North Korea TikToking and fucking locking over there? Did they kill the big Kim Jong? Because that son of a bitch might be dead. <laughs> I don't think he is. I mean, the South Koreans are telling us he's, he's just fine. North Korea put out a document or a, a statement saying that he missed the anniversary of Kim Il-sung's birthday, which I guess he hadn't missed before, but that it was due to COVID concerns. Now, this is this is what North Korea is saying. The problem is that we also have people reporting that uh, there's several things. Number one, people reporting that China sent a medical team over to help with his, with his care. We have another report that Fox News is running with somebody named, I think, Andy. God, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. So another guy saying that they did a, a, a rocket test and somehow he was injured during that and had to have surgery. We had people saying that he had a cardiovascular issue because Kim Jong-un is a big smoker, drinker. Uh, he is a, a lover of North Korean boy haircutted women pretty consistently. And of course, a big eater uh, by his chubby little chipmunk cheeks. So any of these things could have been why he has gone under. Now, if you're North Korea, of course, you're going to put out something saying that this is COVID related and that may be the truth. And it also might be that Donald Trump has knowledge of this. He says that he has been contacted and he knows Kim Jong-un's status, but he can't reveal that. South Korea says they know where he is, but they didn't say what his status was, just that he is alive and not dead. But I don't know. What I want to see is them make a little Kim Jong-un, you know, get some fucking Pillsbury dough together, pump that shit up, pop it in the oven. It comes out a golden brown put a cigarette in its mouth, stick a firecracker in its dick hole, and draw two little slits on it, and you got yourself a Kim Jong-un. Keep ruling that country, man. <laughs> the best ruler that country's ever had, Stay Puff Marshmallow Un. <laughs> Stay Puff Marshmallow Un. <laughs> ah, funny. So, anyway, I think he's still alive, but... It, we do have to ask if North Korean nurses are over there making TikTok videos or whatever you call... TikTok in North Korea. I guess it's Chinese, right? Isn't that the whole problem is that it's a Chinese technology, Chinese uh, social media, and that they're concerned that it's spying on all Americans, even though I know our own Bobby Wilson is, is familiar with it. And honestly, I'm doing a new, I'm working on it right now, getting all my pieces in place to do this commercial crush comedy review show for advertisements. And uh, I'm going to be on TikTok, man. I don't give a shit. So these North Koreans, these North Korean nurses, TikTok and letting Kim Jong-un die. And they're talking about People are going to take over. His sister might take over. His uncle might take over. The sister has gotten some undue attention because she's somewhat attractive. I saw one picture where she looked fairly hot, but that was because they had photoshopped her to death. Uh, you know, like anybody can look hot if they have enough photoshopping. But regardless, I have no idea if she is a horrible dictator person. I know that she was somebody that was sitting next to uh, Donald Trump and talking to them at the Olympics. So presumably that relationship would go further and maybe she's more interested in opening up their economy and, and potentially denuclearizing, which would be a mistake for them, but opening up the economy, opening up the borders. Uh, these are all good things. And that's why I hate anybody who's talking about how we shouldn't talk to North Korea. How should we just have a, a menacing approach to them? How should we assassinate Kim Jong-un? Look, if you're a libertarian, if you're a caring person, right? If you give a shit about other people, the thing you should be rooting for first and foremost is for them to open up that economy and let people traverse those borders because open up that economy is going to do more for that country, more for each individual person in that country than killing its leader ever, ever will ever will. And that's what's so ironic about how we deal with Iran in that, you know, we're sanctioning these people to death, just killing innocents, hoping that they're going to overthrow their government. And then after we sanction them to death, after we starve their children and deny them medical care and food and all these other things, after we do all that and they revolt and throw their leaders out because, because apparently they're not going to blame us, right? They're not going to blame the people cutting off their supplies. They're going to blame their leadership. Again, why, why do we listen to the foreign policy, quote unquote, experts on this? Then they're going to come back and say, thank you, America. America, you starve my children. Thank you so much. Is that an Iranian accent? I don't know. I don't know what the Iranians sound like. Uh, idiotic. Fucking idiotic. But anyway, I think Kim Jong-un is alive and well. So I'll move on to something else here. God, it's already. How the fuck am I 35 minutes into this goddamn podcast? I have so many more things to talk about. 
Um, Speaking of Iran, let's go and talk about Israel a little bit. Uh, Mahmoud Abbas, of course, who is heading up the Palestinian Authority, he is not too happy about the deal with Israel. And I'm sorry, Palestinian president, not the Palestinian Palestinian Authority. I don't know. I'm making this shit up. Anyway, he's not too happy with the United States backing Israel's annexation of the West Bank. And nor fucking should he be, nor should anybody be. Again, anybody who values human rights. You look at this, you know, Donald Trump putting out this deal and saying essentially that Israel, which has occupied Palestine, you know, all of Palestinian territory uh, since 1967, ha- and has continued to push forward into Gaza and take over all these different areas to build illegal Israeli settlements, to, to constantly violate agreements and treaties, to shoot innocent people that are rioting, to shoot children with sniper fire to disproportionately react to any incident by dropping bombs when they get, you know, like a, a stick thrown at them. Just atrocities, atrocities. But the United States, of course, blindly backs Israel. And the grand solution here is to somehow give Israel complete control over the West Bank. And this is somehow, and also not only that, but to give them complete control of the West Bank, but also to make Israel controllers of the ports the access points to the West Bank and to get it, you know, in and out of, of Palestine to control their security so they cannot have any sort of defense force of their own. I mean, this is a perverted deal. There's nothing in this for Palestinians. And now they're saying, yeah, yeah, go ahead, anna- annex it. Go for it. It's a it's a win-win solution for everybody. Go ahead, get in there, Netanyahu. Just atrocious. So that's all. It's just, it's absolutely sickening. Uh, it also, <coughs> excuse me. It also, I believe, violates international accords. I'm trying to think exactly what one is, but it violates international accords. It, it, you're not allowed to simply annex territory anymore. Not since World War II, because that's what Hitler was doing. Anyway, yeah. Throat's getting a little, uh, a little dry here. Well, I'll be dead from the COVID in a day. That much we can all agree on. All right, uh, let's get back to some COVID stuff. How about Michigan's governor? This fucking crazy snooch ball. Uh, what's her name? Gretchen Whitmer, who I talked about last week. So I was like, Gretchen, Gretchen. So she's now finally rolling back some of the more crazy crap that she'd announced. You know, like she had rules like you could take out a sailboat, but not a boat with a motor and that you couldn't go between two residences, even for family, like just insane bullshit. And what's interesting though is like she, you know, she declares, okay, she's going to roll back these things, but that's, you know, logical because obviously people are going to rebel and there were a lot of protests and she was scolding the people for having protests and all this shit. But now what's interesting to me is this the people in the legislature in Michigan, obviously more of the GOP side, they were talking about limiting her executive powers. Yeah, I know. Again, I forgot that sound effect was in there, but wow, I'm getting lucky with sound effects today, guys. They're just like, they're just bombing in when I need them to bomb in. (laughs) So anyway, the GOP majority in the state legislature is examining laws, including the 1945 Emergency Powers of the Governor Act and Emergency Management Act of 1976, which give the governor these vast powers to instill bullshit and stomp on civil liberties. They are now examining to try to rein them in. And this is my favorite thing, though, right? This crazy bitch is doing all these absolutely random laws because now she's so power mad with COVID as her reasoning. Right. So here's the statement she puts out responding to this quote. Of course, I will veto bills that they send over to limit the executive power. I've been very clear about that from day one. Those blatant power grabs are bad in good times and dangerous in times of crisis. What? What? Am I taking crazy pills? I'm in a glass case of emotion. I mean, are you fucking how could you say that? And not understand you're the biggest fucking power grab hypocrite that has ever lived. I'll veto power, I'll veto bills that limit executive power. Those blatant power grabs are bad in good times and dangerous. This is the opposite of a power grab, you stupid fucking bitch. Are you kidding me with this shit? I mean, my God. And she doubles down on it. I'm not going to sign any bill that takes authority away from me. 
This is the worst we're seeing in any sort of government representative. Granted, it plagues all of government and all of politics is people wanting power. They get into this, not to help people, but for power. But for this shit to lay out so blatantly is sickening and shocking. And I can't believe that this isn't more of a national story than it currently is. I mean, how perverted and twisted is your understanding of of just basic power structure and justice where you say that it's a power grab to limit you when you've been hurting people, when you've been destroying their lives and incomes with these ridiculous, and like I said, completely random nutball laws. And to have zero self-awareness. Now granted, this is a trait throughout a lot of politics, but it seems more so than, than anything. It does seem to be more prevalent in democratic sides. But to have zero self-awareness about that, to not reflect and you know, say, you know what? I've been a little bit too aggressive with this. This is a little bit insane. I'm going to rein it in on my own. Or, you know, this is a wake-up call that these people are considering this action. I will talk to my team and I will, I'll look at how we've been dealing with this to try to avoid it. But no, she comes out and says, oh no, I'll veto it. I am the queen. Bow before me. Fuck you. I mean, it, it's got to be a shock if Michigan doesn't go straight back to Republican after this, right? I mean, God damn. God damn. And on top of this, you know, it's like, so uh, uh, by the way, um, William Barr, the, uh, you know, obviously head of the DOJ, he has told prosecutors in the state to look now for violations of civil liberties. And of course, this is spurred on by things like Governor Whitmer, but also places like, like, like this, this beautiful story here. Undercover cops arrest two women for operating home beauty businesses in violation of coronavirus lockdown order. Right? In Laredo, Texas. In Texas. Fucking Texas, which is supposed to be one of the more liberty-protecting states. In Laredo, Texas, they violated the COVID-19 shutdown order, but they were operating a prohibited cosmetology business from their home. Because it mandates that non-essential businesses, including cosmetology, have to close. Now, if you're a woman, I'm not trying to be sexist here. Like Ash and 90 Day Fiance, if any of you watch that, it's a great fucking show. Highly entertaining. But not being sexist, but hey, look, to me, going to my cosmetician, getting my uh, my shit touched up, getting my blackheads taken out, my eyebrows waxed and all this other stuff, maybe that's not essential to me as a beautiful man. Well, not that beautiful. I sleep like shit. I always look like I'm about on two hours and I've been up all night binge drinking. But if you're a woman, let's say you're operating from home. Let's say you're, you're on Zoom calls all the day, right? Trying to keep your job, trying to continue to function as a, a human being in society and make money for you and your family. Maybe having yourself look a little better, you know, trying to keep your, your routine up. Maybe it's just that you don't want people to see what you usually look like if you don't have that service. So this seems fairly essential to me. And not only that, but look, if you're having people come to your home, can't you just say that they're coming over? Like, I mean, I would have made the argument, I'd say, look, I'm inviting these people over. There's no law. And may, I don't know, maybe in Laredo, Texas, there is. But is there a law about having two or more people or two or less people over to your residence? Can't this just be a uh, exchange or if people hanging out in a social setting? And, oh, we made a bet. What's her face? Lost the bet on a coin flip. And now she has to give me $50 in her <laughs> and I had to tweeze her eyebrows. <laughs> Tails, you lose. Tweeze these brows, bitch. But it's fucking just crazy. Both of the violators, here's a quote. They were renorted anonymously, naturally, because this is how these things happen, turning neighbors on neighbors. Yeah, do your part, you fucking Karens. Quote, both of the violators independently solicited customers via social media, said the Laredo Morning Times per the uh, police. On both cases, an undercover officer working on COVID-19 task force. Isn't that great? They have a COVID-19 fucking task force during this shit. Normal people can't work, but they have a special fucking task force to go out and bust your fucking dick and give you fucking fines. On both cases, an undercover officer working on the COVID-19 task force enforcement detail made contact with each solicitor to set up an appointment for cosmetic beauty service that is prohibited under the emergency ordinance. They arrested both women in their homes, charged with a class B misdemeanor, maximum potential penalty of 100 days in jail, 180 days in jail. Hopefully they avoid that Corona hotbed. And a $1,000 fine. 
they were both released on five hundred dollar bonds. But again, this is the kind of nutty shit, man. Where you know, you know, and this is what bugs me. Like you've got Barr instructing prosecutors to say, "Be on the lookout for violations of civil liberties," but the government still believes that protest, like like quarantining protesters, not quarantining, telling people that they can't protest, telling people to disperse, telling people how they can worship, and that's just one example he gave: is you're not allowed to break up religious services, and we're seeing a lot of people in these communities. Like they did a drive through Easter service. They did one where people were sitting in their cars in a parking lot in a church and they gave them tickets. No, I'm not particularly religious, but that's fucking bullshit. But that's what Barr is referring to as these oversteps in religious. But look, telling people they can't go out, telling people what they have to wear to go out in public is fucking bullshit. Any county telling people they have to wear a mask to leave their house is fucking bullshit. If you're a private business and you want to tell me I have to wear a mask to come inside your property, fine. But you can't tell me I'm not allowed to leave my house unless I put something on my fucking head. Like a burka. I mean, I know that's what every GOP pen is probably trying out too, but it's the closest thing that we have to compare it to. It's insane government overreach. There's no fucking way. And I, I, God, my assholes, these asshole Democrat friends I have on Facebook, I had this argument, right? I'm going back and forth with people. And they're like, well, you have to wear clothes. Well, no, technically you don't. And there's also places that have rules where you don't have to wear clothes. There's private societies that they say, no, this is a, a colony. You could, you don't have to wear clothes. And also clothes is more of a voluntary public option. It wasn't just instituted overnight by government, was it? No, it was fucking agreed upon by fairly unanimously by people across this entire community slash nation over decades and decades and decades where we agreed, yeah, we want clothes in public. But you still can protest against that. You can still go outside if you wanted to and, you know, see what happens. (laughs) And they also, of course, you have bigger idiots talking about helmet laws, which again are arbitrary bullshit. Uh, Seatbelt laws, arbitrary bullshit. They argue it's, oh, it saves the public money in the long run. No, bullshit. It's just fundraising. It's just a way to raise money deep in those police coffers, deep in those city coffers. So anyway, fucking horse shit. And uh, well, I, I would say good on bar for, for having these people look out for civil liberty violations. The fact that they don't realize that this entire thing is one giant violation of all of our civil liberties, it, it makes it a moot point. It's just like, okay, we're going to go lick the icing off the cake, but the cake we're still going to throw in the trash. Thanks, Barr. Appreciate it. All right, let's skip forward a little bit to the USDA letting millions of pounds of food rot while the food bank demand soared. This is a story where it's, you know, the the tail of the tape here is really not so much like I've read many stories blaming Trump for this, of course, and all these never Trumpers in the media. They're going to blame Trump or say, well, Trump, you know, this is all his fault. Just like, you know, Adam fucking Schiff, that douchebag is saying that 50,000 deaths are on Trump's head, you know, for not acting faster. When I think it was idiotic if he had acted faster. And I think it's idiotic that he has acted the way he has. Regardless, the USDA operates. I doubt anybody at the USDA was appointed or fired by Trump. (laughs) I doubt he thought about it twice. Now, The fact remains that FEMA, the USDA, all of these government organizations that run these things, they're all incompetent. Why would we not presume that they would let millions of pounds of food rot while the food bank demand soared? Now, I also don't think that we should have trillions, not trillions, but billions of dollars allocated to bail people out with these food programs that the USDA should be buying up food off farmers' lots. But... The fact that these things happen, the fact that we are facing a potential food shortage, not because we don't have the capability, but because government has gotten in the way and interrupted the supply chain, which we're going to get to in a second. Well, that's a big problem. So why are we not surprised when the USDA fucks it up? When all that we've seen from government over the history of government is government fucking it up. I mean, God, look, look the countries where they have socialized USDA that takes care of everybody, like China, like Russia. I mean, Christ, the mass starvation in the Ukraine, the mass starvation in China during the great, uh, fuck, what was it called? The great rebuilding or whatever it was, where they did their own Green New Deal, except technologically. You know, they tore down these people's houses. They built steel mills that created unusable steel in the background. They forced farmers to tear down what they were doing and, you know, plant grain and all this shit. Why is anybody surprised? But they're outraged that it happened. Well, if you're outraged it happened, privatize all of it. Make it easier, make it cheaper to get, let the free market have its way with it. Get the USDA out of the way. You'd have ample food for everybody. 
And that brings us to my next point. Tyson Food and the CEO of Tyson Food took out a full page ad. I think it was in the New York Times or Wall Street Journal, basically saying the food system is broken. Actually, who was it called? It was called A Delicate Balance, Feeding the Nation and Keeping Our Employees Healthy. And the CEO was talking about how COVID-19 is changing everything, right? How their team members are working hard. Great, great. But they're being forced to shutter their doors in small communities where they have these factories. So they've got, you know, they say over 100,000 hardworking men and women being forced to shutter their doors. And that means the food supply chain is vulnerable. Agreed. It is. This is not just chicken factories. There's also pork factories and beef factories. They are being forced to close because they get tested and they say, oh, well, you have, you have a COVID infection. You got to close everything down. Even though they sanitize every day, even though they're doing what they can to test the workers, they're giving him uh, masks. He makes the point that they're going everything they can to stay open. They're doing every, they're taking every precaution. They're paying their workers hazard pay. They're paying sick leave. They're doing everything they can to stay open. The government is forcing them to close. And the government doesn't quite grasp the fact that if you get in there with these fucking regulations and these demands on how people can operate, and if you have one sick person, you have to close down for three days and sanitize everything and do all this other shit, even though you're already taking precautions and <coughs> you can't cover somebody coming in the door and have to have a cough. Not, not only that, how do you know it's going to transmit to the food? Again, you can wash it, sterilize it, clean it before it goes out the door. Regardless, you can test people regardless. You are going to completely overturn the supply chain in the country which right now is stocked up just fine, but is very quickly going to go just south. I mean, it's going to be hard to find pork, hard to find chicken. The prices of that shit's going to skyrocket. Then people who are already out of jobs won't be able to find food, won't be able to find work. They're not getting their government paychecks and they're getting their stimulus checks fast enough. Now we're going to see some real violence because when your actual way of, of feeding your family is impacted, when you can't even get food to put on people's plates, then you're going to have some real violence. So we need more CEOs to write letters like this. We need more people to talk about how the government is getting in the way of the food chain and how it is going to end very badly. All right, uh, moving on. Yeah, I'll try to wrap this at an hour. I should, I should be able to wrap this up. Um, things are getting worse for Joe Biden. <laughs> uh, Tara Reid... Not that Tara Reid, different Tara Reid. Tara Reid, the accuser who I've talked about on the show several times now, accused Joe Biden of uh, unwanted touching in addition to manipulating her and, and putting his digits inside of her vagina uh, You know, while she was a staffer for him. And this has now been backed up. You know, Unlike the Brett Kavanaugh allegations, which the media ran with, the media currently is still burying the story. But it has been backed up now, but I think five different uh, pieces, you know, Larry King, his show back in the nineties, I think, you know, again, 1993, 1994, apparently Tara Reed's mother called into Larry King, didn't say her name, but Tara Reed has said, yes, that is my mother talking about a staffer who has not gone to the media, but was uh, harassed by a staffer or a senator didn't want, not want to tarnish his reputation. Again, I don't know why these people think that didn't go to the media, but she says, that's my mom called in, trace that back. It's about the same time. Her, uh, I think her brother has corroborated her friend, a fellow staffer said that she talked about it with her. So now we have several people from the time that knew her. They didn't directly witness it, but they say, yes, she talked about it. Yes, she told me about it. Uh, and also just, we know about Biden's history of unwanted touching. So while we can't say de facto that this is a true, uh, allegation, we also can't discount it. And there's a lot more evidence, a lot more to back it up than the Brett Kavanaugh shit. But again, because Biden's the Democrats boy and the media is owned by the Democrats predominantly, you're not seeing the attack dogs come out. That's some shit, but it's very interesting to watch. And you know that Donald Trump and attack ads are coming for Joe Biden. I would be shocked at this point if he didn't step down. Shocked. So is it going to be Cuomo they're grieving? Is it going to be somebody else to step into place? We'll see, but time is running out for the Democrats. Okay, last thing. We can't skip over this without talking about it, guys. You know what I'm going to get to, right? You know what, I, what I'm going to talk about here. Yes, it's the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds flying over America. Those flying objects that everybody's discussing top of the... No, they are flying over, I don't know, fucking towns. <laughs> what a stupid goddamn waste of money that is. 
No, I'm talking about the UFOs, baby. Yeah, the Navy released three different videos. Now, granted, these are FLIR, which is a type of uh, infrared camera. These are FLIR videos that they released showing unidentified flying objects, and the internet is a buzz. And uh, I will say, I watched the FLIR videos. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what I'm fucking looking at. It just looks like a goddamn blob on the screen. I, you know, I know these people are flying in jets. I know they're going high speeds. I know that these things are moving in patterns. It's kind of like, oh, that's it. It's funky pattern. But it's still a blurry splotch on the screen. It looks like a fucking Atari video game, and I can't get too excited about it. I know I know a lot of the other dorks and nerds and uh, and I want to believers and ancient aliens fans out there are getting very into this. I don't know. I, I can't get that pumped up. Now, I will tell you this, though. Do I believe in aliens? A hundred percent. 100% I believe in aliens simply because I think from a logical perspective, the universe and beyond is so absolutely vast that, and, and not only vast, but just we think about how the universe expands, how the farther out you go, the older things can get, the fast, you know, they're moving so much faster than us that their time is so much more advanced than us that you have to think evolution had to have happened somewhere else, that there have to be intelligent races somewhere else, and they have to be light years more technologically advanced than us. Now, that's a terrifying thought. And there's an interesting series of books that I was reading called The Three-Body Problem. Um, I'll just say this. I don't want to spoil the book, but if you're curious, Google the dark forest theory. Now, if you this is if you don't want to read the book, if you don't want to read the book, but you want to know what I'm talking about as far as advanced alien societies and how we might interact between two societies, one being advanced and not knowing how advanced the other society is, but knowing they're out there, Google dark forest theory. It's very interesting. And I think could be accurate. You know, you hope that other civilizations have the same yearning for, uh, for contact that we do, but anyway, give a look into it. But I do think that there is there's just way too many planets. There's way too many stars. There's way too many suns that have you know, planets gravitating around them. There's way too many opportunities over way too much time for there not to be other intelligent life out there. It may not be like us. It may not look like us. It may not think like us. The odds are it doesn't, but I do believe in it. So I don't discount the fact that aliens may have existed. I don't even discount the fact that they may have come here in the past, you know, Prometheus-style seeding or that a meteorite from another planet came here, landed on Earth, and spread the uh, the seeds of life, and that somehow that's how we came to be. But these videos, eh, <laughs> eh, and, uh, they don't get me hard, guys. And on that note of me being soft and rubbery, we'll wrap up this episode of Electric Liberty Land. Guys, don't forget to listen to Mark Claire on Mondays with his rousing interviews with leaders in the Liberty Movement, as well as talking to idiots like uh, Carr and Bird and Howie and uh, Dexter LaPaz about random bullshit, as he did on the 420 episode. I, of course, am here Wednesday with Electric Liberty Land and John Odermatt pulling in the rear with Felony Fridays. And guys, if you like the show, please do share the show. Tell your friends. We are making a big push this year. We want to make this show uh, grow as big as it possibly can. We want to make this into something that we can really focus on. And, And honestly, we want to make it something we can do full time. And that means more, better content for you guys, more shows, longer shows, uh, vastly more content, more time for me to do do nothing mans, more time for us to do uh, all the fun that we like to have here. So share the show. If you don't mind, write a review on iTunes and Stitcher. Tell, uh, tell everybody how wonderful we are. And if you would like to become a patron, Patreon, a patron? Yeah, a patron. <laughs> That's what you call us. Uh, and have access to Degenerate Gamblers, Conspiracy Corners, our video content, our bonus content that we're putting out constantly, and uh, and get all the perks, you know, all the different uh, doodads, t-shirts, taxation is death mugs, access to our email news links, talking to us directly on Zooms, getting to pick your own episodes of shows, go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty and join up. It's a good time. And also join the forum. Lionsofliberty.com, or I'm sorry, just type in Lions of Liberty in the forum. Tell them that you heard it from me, Brian McWilliams, so you're not some dumb Yahoo and we'll let you right in. All right, that's going to do it. Look at this, coming in right at an hour. 
Ah, like Nostradamus. Sorry, guys. From me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into liberty.